0: These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties, but in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours, find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. It's Nancy and Rebecca from Looped In. On August 23rd, Houston and the world lost one of the most prominent developers in history, Gerald Hines. He Came to Houston in 1957, started a one man real estate shop and grew it into what it is today a company that owns billions of dollars worth of real estate all over the world and employs thousands of people. It's based in Houston and we've been covering Hines and and Gerald Hines for years. In fact, the second episode ever of Looped In. Back when my co-host was former Chronicle reporter Aaron Mulvaney, we released an episode called Heinz, not Heinz. <laughs> Rebecca, do you get that reference? <laughs> yeah, it'd be easier if you could see it spelled out. It's saying, in Houston, when you're talking Heinz, you're not talking ketchup. You're that's talking right. Gerald Heinz, because he's such a big name here. Yeah, that's uh, we thought we were being very clever. And Aaron and I had a lot of fun on this episode. It was it was pretty lighthearted, but we told stories about covering Gerald Hines. She had recently met with him on a story, and they talked about what he ate for breakfast, which is pretty interesting and and very much just a, a side note in the whole thing. But it was a, a fun conversation, and we shared what we what we learned about Gerald Hines over the years, and so we decided to repost it. Hopefully, um, it'll bring back some good memories of this. Very Houston developer and we hope you enjoy it. Yes. See you next time. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Luke In, the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate, the deals, the dirt, the people, the places. I'm Chronicle reporter, Nancy Sarnoff, and I'm here with my colleague, Erin Mulvaney. Hi,
1: Erin. How are you? Hi, Nancy. Doing great. You had a busy week last week. Busy week. Yeah. Yes. During the week.
0: There was one name that kept coming up
1: over and over i am now the heinz reporter <laughs> that's right heinz
0: as in the company heinz gerald heinz the man the legend the developer
1: should we say who heinz is yes because it's not the ketchup not the ketchup heinz we are talking about gerald Hines, the real estate developer Um, His company, 60-year-old company, based here in Houston, now global real estate firm. And Houstonians will recognize, if you don't recognize his name, you'll recognize his buildings. You maybe have been to the Galleria. (laughs) Yes, just a few times. Seen Chase Tower, the tallest building in Houston. Mm -hmm. Penn's Oil Place, the trapezoid-shaped, funky building. Bank of America. Williams Tower. In Tower,
0: everyone knows that. It used to be called Transco Tower.
1: Transco Tower. And the, was it the first high-rise in a suburb or outside a major urban area?
0: It was the tallest building outside of a central business district when right. it was built. I don't think it still holds that claim, but everyone knows Transco Tower in this town. I mean, if you drive on a highway, you've seen it because it you can see it from anywhere, it seems, on a, on a yeah, cloudless definitely. day.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, I was... Covering real estate, you can't escape Hines. Usually, anyway, but last week I had the opportunity to interview Mr. Hines. Yes, that's fascinating. A profile, and I ended up um, writing even more about his company throughout the week. But but it was really interesting meeting Mr. Hines and getting to interview him. I know you've interviewed him before, so it was old hat to you. But well, yeah, but that was a long time ago. I I want
0: to hear what his office was like because I've never been to his office in Williams Tower, and he's ninety.
1: He's 90, right. He's 90 years old. So I didn't really know what to expect, but he's very healthy. In fact, it came up. Oh, yeah? How? It came up because his birthday was last year Mm -hmm. and they had a big celebration with a lot of the architects that he'd worked with over the years. And we talked a little bit about that. And we talked about his breakfast because it keeps him healthy. Wait, what? (laughs) It came up. It came up <laughs> very naturally. Um, we talked about his skiing in the Alps, skiing in Aspen. This was all, of course we eventually got to real estate, but
0: okay, but wait, let's get back to his breakfast. Cause I do remember now something that someone told me. So he's 90, like you said, he's in great shape. He's kind of a health nut. What does he eat for breakfast?
1: Broccoli, broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what broccoli for breakfast? <laughs> yeah, I think we shall eat broccoli. He really looks great. He's really in great shape. He still runs this office. Well not really. I guess he doesn't really run it, but he's the chairman of this board of this major company and the office is beautiful. Okay yeah, so tell you've me got about to check it office,
0: out like the physical space. is it this grand ballroom office with with double doors and
1: Well, I will say the entire office on the 49th floor of Williams Tower, and it it has a ton of glass everywhere. You know, floor to ceiling, windows, and like we said, this is a very tall building, so you can see all the way to downtown, and it really looks great. And they have a lot of sleek touches, very mid-century modern, very white. And then I expected his office to be just giant, you know, and it's very small. Really? It's very small and very modest, not ostentatious at all. He has um, just a small desk and a killer view killer view. Like I said, you know, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. He gets to see the city. He helps (laughs) (laughs) craft develop. Yeah. yeah. And he, um, he has a bookshelf of like pictures of his family and a, a framed Nancy Sarnoff Houston Chronicle article. What me, you, (laughs) you, you are framed
0: on the desk and that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. We, we did one time when I wrote about him, we had a driver drive us around to all of the buildings, like not all of his buildings, but a lot of the buildings that he developed. And we did it in chronological order. So we started um, his at his first building, very first building he ever developed, which was in Midtown of all places. And then we went over to Richmond Avenue, where he developed a lot of those office buildings. And then we went downtown and walked around and heard stories about Philip Johnson and all of these famous... World-renowned architects that he had worked with, and then we ended, I think, at the Galleria, and we were walking around the <laughs> ice skating rink, and he was telling me why he decided to do that. And it
1: was yeah, I think it was a weird. I mean, I'm starting to learn it was a very strange project at the time. to mm-hmm. had this three-story mixed-use mall with an ice skating rink yeah. in the middle of it. Now it's the center of a major part of town that we learned even more about this week. To but yeah. <laughs> uptown Post Oak
0: Boulevard the Houston's Fifth Avenue, right?
1: Who said that?
0: People have said that before. I mean, it's like the, the, the flashy retail scene.
1: Right, right. So we saw that we saw it. We got an early peek at a documentary last week.
0: Yeah. So this was, okay. So it was the same day you interviewed Gerald Hines at his office Mm -hmm. on the 49th floor that night. We went to a screening of a documentary. It was about Post Oak Boulevard and Uptown. And Gerald Hines was there. And Giorgio Borlenghi was there. He's the guy that developed Uptown Park, all the high-rises behind it, four-leaf towers, lots of, real, just a ton of real estate in, in Uptown. He owns the Hotel Granduca. He developed that too. And right.
1: It's, it was interesting hearing from them. Yeah,
0: it was he's very stylish. Mm -hmm. He's Italian. And I saw, I got
1: to see uh, Jerry Hines twice in one day. You calling him Jerry now? I don't know, I guess. (laughs) I called him Mr. Hines in person.
0: Yeah, everyone calls him Mr. Hines. Have you noticed that? Yes. Everyone
1: in his office? Yeah, no one's on a first name basis.
0: Well, just his I guess his children.
1: (laughs) Well, they probably call him dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But no, no one's on a first name basis. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, Wait, there was one thing I forgot to mention. Oh, Um, sorry. When we went to that screening, it was at Williams Tower, of course. And I got this really great parking spot in the building. Oh, yeah, this is a great story. Yeah, so I drove up and they had valet parking and they were, you know, guiding everyone to go up in the garage. But I went down for some reason. I, like, I spied a spot that was open. And so um, I parked and I got out and I'm walking to the building. And the first spot right next to the building... There's this beautiful, I think it was a Mercedes in the spot. And I just looked over in front of it and it said, reserved for GDH,
1: Gerald D. Hines. Perfect. Yeah. And it had to be. I know. It had to be him. Because why wouldn't he have the best spot? GDH. I love it. I know. He developed the
0: building and everything around it. So it was um it was pretty cool to, to notice that.
1: I just wonder if he still drives. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I He know. can ski in the Alps. Like, can't you... <laughs> drive to Williams Tower every morning in your beautiful Mercedes. But yeah, I, it was really interesting talking to him. He he had a lot of good stories about Houston and he had a lot of very technical reasons. I said, how did you come up with the idea for the Galleria? It was really ahead of its time. Right. And he said, oh, well it made sense. You know, we, there were other stores there and loop was, he just had, he obviously had a very mathematical, you know, deductive mind, Mm -hmm. you know, it was other people who talk about him say, oh, you know, Gerald Hines turned a cow pasture into the most impressive retail destination. And he, it was very hard as a reporter to get, get that kind of bragging out of him because yeah. he was very, he's oh, so well, it was not... actually very logical.
0: Right. Anyone would have done it. I and
1: mean, not, he didn't say that, but.
0: Yeah, he's he's very kind of mild-mannered and yeah. really quiet and doesn't seem to really toot his own horn unlike some other developers that you might know, heard of like Donald Trump or <laughs> someone like that. You know, he's like the, he's the anti-Trump. Right, right. Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool to, to get to spend all that time with him. So I'm glad we both have had that experience mm-hmm. and we could talk about him for forever. But there are a couple things associated with his company that happened last week. One was a lawsuit which is pretty common in business period. But this one um, also has ties to our build, our old building that we talked about on the last podcast. Hit close to home.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: 801 Texas. Mm-hmm. I had covered the story what right about um, a month or two ago that a adjacent property owner to 801 Texas, which is now owned by Hines, sued Hines and the Houston Chronicle because of a deal that they had previously, <laughs> it's very confusing.
1: It sounds confusing, but it was all about the tunnels. It's all about the tunnels, the downtown
0: tunnels. I I assume most people know about them, but it's, what, six miles of retail snaking beneath downtown buildings.
1: Right. I mean, they probably invented it to avoid the Houston heat, but now the result is there's a, a web of tunnels that connect to some of the biggest buildings in town. And
0: if you want to build a new building, you definitely want to be connected to the tunnel. So if it's not already connected, you better have an agreement in place with the adjacent property owners so you can link into that tunnel.
1: It's essentially, I mean, maybe this is not the way a lawyer would describe it, but shared ownership over the ground under, between your properties. And that is the subject of the lawsuit Yes, that Nancy covered. And I went to a hearing last week about the now what's now a parking lot. The owners of that land mm-hmm. want to build a parking structure and later a high rise. And of course, Heinz owns the old Chronicle building, and they would like to build a surface parking lot for now while they wait for the market to come back and eventually build a high rise. And at issue is the tunnel that is not built yet <laughs> that the parking lot owners want to build mm-hmm. and they want to make sure Heinz doesn't mess it up with any of the demolition of sorry to say our old building. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And it so has the Chronicle, always has to come back to us. The Chronicle came the Chronicle came up a lot during the hearing, but just in calling it the Chronicle Building. And I kept thinking, Oh no, are they gonna talk about a story that we wrote? You know, and every time they said the Chronicle I tensed up. But um what if they called you up on the stand? <laughs> God, that would have been a nightmare. But yeah. it was it was technical, but it did speak to something pretty interesting about how important it is for marketability when you're to have that, how crucial it is to say, I can connect to the tunnel system. And we were kind of, we were connected to the tunnel system. We were connected to Chase Tower, and we could go and get Starbucks, mm-hmm. you know, and or and you can connect. We could connect to the rest of the tunnel system and go get lunch, or
0: yeah, and you could walk to, say, the the Hyatt Hotel if mm-hmm. that was connected, and that's kind of across downtown. You can you can right. go far, and if it's raining, that's really convenient. Or if it's it one hundred and five degrees, which it is like right now, right. it's also convenient.
1: So Heinz is facing this uh, lawsuit over that issue because of the importance of the tunnel of downtown, and they. I I don't, I, there's not a solution yet in the case, but there will be a trial next year over, over this tunnel. And the irony to me in the whole thing is both of these owners want to build high rises and they, they say the holdup is this tunnel, but the holdup is probably really the economy right now. And yeah, the market in that
0: there, there is no market for a new office building.
1: They're going to have to wait regardless Yeah,
0: or an apartment building. They have time to go through.
1: They have time to go through the court system, right? and depending on who you ask, I guess. Yeah, but. spend lots of money,
0: and hopefully they'll be able to work it out before it goes that far. But it seems like they're they're pretty much in fighting stance.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. It was kind of fun. There were a lot of colorful lawyers at the the trial, and they brought up the exact thing I did. Are you actually going to build this? <laughs> on both sides, <laughs> like both sides, quiz people, and they were trying to defend it. Like, yeah course. Yeah, I mean, this really, is... you've covered real estate for long enough. You know that. <laughs> you know what they said. You could probably guess.
0: Yes, no offense to the developers. So there was one other thing that happened last week that is also sort of related to Heinz, and that is the Sky Lobby on the 60th floor. Is that right? The, the 60th floor, floor mm-hmm. of Chase Tower downtown, which is across the street from the old Chronicle building, closed. The Sky Lobby closed.
1: Right. So it was open to the public. Mm-hmm. Anyone could go up there. There were actually, remember, there were those elevators that actually said Sky Lobby. Yeah, it
0: was very, it was very, very friendly to the public.
1: And it has just floor-to-ceiling windows where you can see out from downtown on. I guess it's facing the Galleria. Mm-hmm.
0: Facing, so yeah, facing west. Yeah, it, it wasn't, was really beautiful. It wasn't a full floor. It wasn't a three hundred sixty-degree view. It was Mm-mm. just about half half the the western side of the city, right? Say
1: the tenants who work on that floor there were actually people who worked in that floor they i guess requested that the public no longer the riffraff from <laughs> the outside no longer be welcome on as they bring people in they said it got too crowded and so yeah it's
0: so strange cuz whenever i when i went up there it was always you know just some some families and maybe some it office workers to me. yeah people on vacation Checking things out.
1: And, and you know,
0: you can only stand there for so long after you're like, okay. Right. It's like that scene in Vacation where Chevy Chase is standing in front of the Grand Canyon. Remember that? Do you remember yeah, that? Oh,
1: like we, what happens again?
0: Well, he just stands there. He's and like, you oh, know, like, we
1: see it and then we walk away. Right. It's like, okay, we,
0: we've seen it. Yeah.
1: I haven't seen that movie in a long time.
0: It was, um, it was popular in my generation. Oh,
1: right, right. That's I,
0: Generation X,
1: by the way. Probably saw it on VHS or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I did. Thank
1: you. Anyway, it's closed. And that was a Heinz decision as well. It, actually, our editor called me in the middle of it and said, hey, can you get some of those Heinz people at the oh, trial? in the middle of the trial. So everything was just overlapping with Heinz last week. So yeah. obviously, they're still, it's not just a legacy situation. They're still actively in the news <laughs> and doing big things in town. So
0: yeah, that's, that was um, a Heinz, Heinz week, 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, oh, one last thing. Last week, we told our listeners that we would start taking questions, and we have one. And guess what it pertains to?
1: Well, I will say, I think we've gotten several good questions, but I think we should handle this one this week because it's going to come full circle to this conversation we're having about Heinz. Because months ago, someone asked me why there is a searchlight on top of Williams Tower. Have you ever (laughs) noticed it? Yeah, I guess I, I have. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. I, you know, They thought I would know because I cover real estate. Mm-hmm. I know about that tower. And so I got the opportunity. Coincidentally, last week, I was interviewing a former Heinz executive. Oh, right, for that profile. For the profile. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked on a lot of the big projects that we talked about earlier in this podcast. And Williams Tower came up, and I thought... I wonder if he knows about that searchlight. Yeah, here's your chance. So this will show people who submit questions. I'll come back to you. I might have to do some research, but yeah, but no, we did get some good it, ones. It's so. kind of weird. It's kind of a weird story because I don't know if y'all are gonna you're gonna be satisfied with this. But he said that the famous architect architect team that were designing Williams Tower, then Trans, Transco was their big tenant, mm-hmm. and someone said. One of the architects kind of, they were in a meeting and he said, What if we put a searchlight on top of the building? Was that Philip Johnson? It was probably Philip Johnson. (laughs) It was probably Philip Johnson. And then, you know, the Heinz exact guy I talked to said, Sounds good to me. And then Jerry Heinz spoke up and said, Actually, I feel strongly about this. We should have one because when I used to go visit Chicago, there was on one of the big towers there, they had some kind of searchlight and he had his siblings played some game where if they saw the light they would call out to it and Oh cuz right cuz he lived in Indiana so Yeah they would visit from Indiana and drive over. They'd play a, kind of like a calling game like there it is or you know and so, so he cute. felt really strongly about it and then the Transco CEO got wind of it and felt really strongly about it. And <laughs> apparently he was a really eclectic, I mean kind of I mean eccentric, not a, he was an eccentric executive who was a watercolorist. I this this executive <laughs> told me that. I want to be a watercolorist. Yeah, a watercolorist. <laughs> that he got all this like art from New York. So he got wind of it and said, we have to have the searchlight. So then this poor developer on the development team had to figure out how to make that jive with like like making sure it didn't interfere with airplanes. So he had to like make yeah. this work because everyone felt super strong about having this. So they had a spotlight so on top funny. of Williams Tower. There's not really a reason. The I reason is if,
0: someone came up with it. I wonder if they said it as a joke. And then it just snowballed.
1: And everyone's been in those meetings. where are like, what if we call our podcast looped in? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) Or I don't know. I'm gorgeous inside.
1: I'm gorgeous inside. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's go with it.
1: So yeah. So he had to deal with the FAA because of this thing, because of that little idea. That's a good
0: story. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me put you on the spot today. You've had all these crazy stories lately. And thanks for letting me grill you.
1: Anytime, Nancy.
0: Anytime. (laughs) How about a week from now? we'll do our next podcast. <laughs> we'll meet here again next week. We will touch on some other topics and we will take another reader question or maybe two. So please send any ideas that you have to Right. Man. We've
1: already got some good ones. Yeah, we
0: definitely have some good ones. A lot about property values and about mm-hmm. some neighborhoods and about uh, biking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, biking, that was a good real question. estate
0: next to bike trails, so Send them to us, nancy.sarnoff at cron.com or Erin Aaron Mulvaney, Mulvaney at cron.com. We're also on Twitter at nsarnoff or at Erin Mulvaney. And until then, subscribe on iTunes so you can stay looped in. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>